Today, in the church, we celebrate the presentation of the Lord, and we celebrate a Sunday where we kind of have special prayers for those who live the consecrated life, brothers and sisters, and religious all throughout the world, those who live the evangelical councils. And we have a lot going on. I was sitting there and reflecting as we were, I was re listening to the Word of God today that this truly has been an, a strange week. And it was strange for so many different reasons for me, but it was strange. It was, and, and it kicked off last Sunday, of course, with the news of uh, Kobe Bryant's uh, passing his daughter and their seven friends that um, passed away last Sunday. I was getting alerts on my phone during the mass, 11 o'clock mass last week. And I was, I have to be honest with you, I mean, that this whole, um, I would go on to the week and I was glued to Sports Center. And I probably watched too much Sports Center, but I really watched it this week because I got caught up into the whole story. And then this week, I would also celebrate the funeral of a 52-year-old parishioner. And I am getting ready to turn 50. What I was really getting caught up in initially was that I'm, a, I'm from the LA area. I was a Laker fan. And I, you know, and so news of Kobe's passing was, it was sad. I mean, the way that all those families that are touched, his daughter, the whole story. I, 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 I cried many tears. I really did. And I've never met the man. And I sit there and I was reminded and I just, and I remembered that, you know, yeah, but, you know, we're, we're, we're getting so jacked up. Everyone's getting so jacked up about this passing. But, you know, back in 2003, that guy made a mistake. Started remembering that. And I remember back in 2003, how upset, angry, and how awful I thought Kobe was. And I went down, and I was visiting my buddy, Father Tim, and he and I, we get together, you know, uh, once a year, and I'm down in L.A. area, and he says, hey, let's go meet with some of my buddy priests, and we went down to Orange County, and so there was a bunch of priests from the Diocese of Orange. We go out, we have a nice dinner, we go hang out, and, and I'm clueless, you know, and so all of a sudden, they, they say, let's go someplace where we can watch the game, and, and I'm like, oh, yeah, and so I pop off, and I say something really disparaging against Kobe Bryant because of, you know, how he was in the news, all that other stuff, and this priest from Orange County sat there and just looked at me and he says, in a real loving way, he said, can I caution you for a second? Because you might not know the whole story. Like what? He was like, well, I just, what if, what if in response to committing a sin, and you think about this, how you would handle this as a priest, what if in response to sinful behavior, you presented yourself to a priest? What if after presenting yourself to a priest, you see a person totally re-identifying their lives and realizing the importance of living out their vocation faithfully? What if you, you realize that this person changed their ways so much to where they, they wanted to make the practice of their faith 
a priority again. How would you look at that person? And I'm like, are you telling me Kobe Bryant's a Catholic? <laughs> and he says, he's a faithful mass goer. And his faith has been what he has turned to to get him through this crisis. I gave a homily about that in 2003. So I, was, I had a connection. It was a connection because I learned something through, through that whole situation. And as, as, I, as the week went on and, and there's so many different things going on, I'm sitting there going, wow. And it was traumatic. And I was listening to all the different um, commentators make comments and things. And my, I continued shedding tears, but the tears started to change. The reason for the tears. Because all of a sudden, in preparation for today's homily, I'm sitting there presented with this example of Simeon, who is this faithful priest, who's sitting there going to the temple day after day, who is told younger in his years that he would not die until he met the Christ. And he believed it. And because he believed it, he came to work every day. And he did what he was supposed to do. And it's in this attitude, in this, in this, this patient, hope-filled attitude of Simeon, he just kept being who he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to do. And this was the story that I just, as the week goes on, people, different commentators would talk about the father and the husband that Kobe became. They would kept talking about how he was a light. He was a light that beamed and now he would reach out to many others. He would just, they kept telling this story, but then they would always go back to the tragedy, to the, to the sadness of the fact that he was way too young and this is not fair. It always goes back to that. He was too young, this is not fair. And we get jacked up about this time, all the time. I mean, and I'm, and I'm hearing it right now. I hear people who are like getting ready for my 50th birthday and they're like, Father, 50 more. But this life is not about longevity. This life is about quality. And living and being who we've been created to be, doing what we've been created to do, so that we can truly, at the end of our days, have people tell a story about you and I that sounds a little bit like Jesus Christ himself. And they're not going to be able to tell all stories about me that look like Christ. But I'll bet you, if I keep showing up in, in the place where I'm supposed to be and doing what I'm supposed to do, someone's going to have something to say to speak to the person that I'm trying to become. And my tears changed because that story was missing this week. The story, that story that I read about in America Magazine, where Kobe would later talk about that time in 2003, where he had a conversation with a priest. And the priest asked him the right questions. 
and coached him how to get his life back on track. And Kobe would say in the interview, that's when I decided I needed to focus on being a good husband and a good father. And he would make the practice of his faith the center of who he was. That story wasn't being highlighted this week. So I, in my capacity, decide to highlight it today. And to remind all of us, and we are blessed today that we are going to baptize Patrick, and after he is baptized, we are going to sit there and take this candle, and we're going to light it from this light, and these parents and godparents are going to be told to keep this light burning brightly. Because that's the light we've all received, the light of Christ. And although we may have moments in our journey where we are not where we're supposed to be, not doing what we're supposed to do, and we might not be shining that light, we have a faith in a God who continues to have the capacity to bring us back and to heal us Another conversation I had, and another truth that sometimes is just difficult to see, but this is why we need to maintain the lights that we are. The other statements that were being said was, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. It's not fair. And I would say, in response to that, Outside of the Paschal mystery, of course it doesn't make sense. Because it's void of hope. And it's void of life. But in the context, with the Paschal mystery being at the center of it, yes, it does. And there is hope. And there is redemption. And there is life. Eternal life. That's what we're experiencing with living out our faith. By living out our baptism. That's what we celebrate today. So let us be the eyes, the hands, and the heart. Members of Christ's body to a world that so desperately needs us to be where we're supposed to be and to do what we're supposed to do.